This is Principles in Practice, a Shape of Advice podcast brought to you by Professional Planner and BlackRock. My name is Tan Sharp and I'm the editor of Professional Planner. This series is a conversational style exploration of the different elements of practice management for advisors, drawing on the knowledge and experience of people that contribute to the delivery of advice to Australian consumers. Feel free to visit professionalplanner.com.au or get in touch to join the conversation. And now, please enjoy this episode. Hello again. Welcome to the Principles in Practice podcast. I'm Tan Sharp, the editor of Professional Planner. On today's pod, we're covering interesting ground and uh, I would probably say neglected ground. We're looking at marketing in financial advice and uh, I think it's one of those areas that probably like IT infrastructure and HR management, they're fundamental to practice management but not a core skill for advisors. For small practices especially, a lack of marketing savvy is understandable but can unfortunately weaken the chance of growth. Underpinning this marketing issue, of course, is the broad thematic of advice value and getting that across to clients in the right way. Again, while some out there are nailing lists, the ones that aren't can be seriously held back. With that in mind, I've chosen two guests that probably know the area better than most, and the hope is that with a little exposition and some gentle prodding, these two might share some of the basic principles advisors can use to polish up their marketing and hopefully expand their reach. The first of these is Adele Martin, a licensed advisor, formerly a principal at Firefly Wealth, who now runs an advisor training network called Advisory X, an online financial advice program called My Money Buddy, and a podcast by the name of The Savings Squad. Busy woman indeed. Then we have Sue Viskovich, who many in the advice community would be familiar with as the founding principal at uh, the wildly successful Elixir Consulting. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having to be here, Tan. Good stuff. Sue, maybe you can set the table for us by explaining what you see out there as someone who assesses and audits advice businesses regularly, someone who with, with fresh eyes, I imagine, looks at the way advisors present themselves all the time. Do they do it well? Oh, many do not, Tan. I think you've um, you've hit the nail on the head there. And and when I uh, consider the marketing aspect of advice firms, a lot of them aren't too fussed about trying to find new opportunities for clients at the moment. So many of them just park the thought of marketing as something they don't necessarily need because they get referrals from clients and they might also have um, accounting networks and so forth that will provide professional re- referrals. So a lot of them do rely on the ability of the advisor to chat with the client once they actually get in front of them. Uh, And of course, as we're moving into a time where there's going to be a lot more clients, or there already are a lot more clients that require advice than the advisors there to service them, it's increasingly important to improve that marketing message, not because they need to find new clients, but it's incredibly important that the clients that they are bringing on board and growing with are the right types of clients that they've determined that they want to work with um, and and to put them on the right uh, footing to be able to start a great relationship. So, yeah, and, and, uh, you know, it's no surprise really given the amount of education and, and training that advisors have to do to become advisors, there's not enough support for them to learn about how to run a business at all, let alone how to then market themselves and be comm specialists. So, yeah, it's great to be uh, doing something where we can give them a few tips. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're certainly right there. Advisors do have to go through a lot to, to practice uh, their career, but uh, yeah. none of that really, none of the baseline educational or regulatory stuff involves 
any kind of marketing. Um, Correct. How do advisors rank, do you think, essentially, in, in telling their stories to clients? Um, I'm just wondering across the industry, um, you know, in marketing themselves efficiently and appropriately compared to other financial services professionals, are they, are they sort of better than mortgage brokers but not as good as accountants? How do they stand across the financial services spectrum? Uh, I would suggest that they're probably on par, to be honest, because those peers that they have in accounting and um, broking and even, you know, if we take it across the the broader professional services in, in law firms and so forth, they're all typically professions that require uh, or not require, but they are typically grown from personal referrals. Um, and so, therefore, it's actually not a skill set that they're missing compared to their peers. Um, but if you look at other areas of the advice profession um, or financial services, if you look at fund managers, if you look at insurers, if you look at uh, other areas who need to reach a broader number of clients, it's much more one-to-many um, from a mass market perspective, their messaging and language is much better. And it's not because or not just because they have massive budgets and they can afford to have marketing people on board. Um, it is because they're typically wanting to reach a much broader um, number of people, so they need to do it better than just those one-on-one relationships that they get. That's a fair point. From. Yeah. Adela, I might switch to you now. It's um, You're a unique case. I knew about you before I even met you a couple of years ago. Were you always big on promoting yourself and your brand as a way to amplify the businesses that you've started? Yeah, no, I think it probably started when I went to FinCon. Um, I think it was 2016, 15, I went to FinCon, which is a big blogging conference and financial advice conference um, in the States. And that's when I sort of had a bit of a light bulb moment that uh, they really um, concentrated on the personal brand and putting the person forward. And the reason for that is it was much easier to build up trust uh, rather than, um, you know, sort of having a brand. And also what I learned there was the importance of being, you know, authentic so, and that you could have fun in money. It didn't have to be this super serious thing. And so I saw them, you know, having a, a money rapper and you know, a guy that rapped money songs and all sorts of uh, fun around money. It didn't have to be serious. and I didn't have to be in a suit. And so, uh, yeah, it just really allowed me to understand the importance of building a personal brand and the importance of being, you know, authentic and being yourself. Because if you're not authentic and being yourself, um, first of all, you end up attracting clients that you don't really gel with. Um, and then secondly, um, people, you know, can see through it as well. And so for me, it was, it was really the FinCoin was really a turning point uh, around, you know, Americans are very good, I think we can all say this, are very good at promoting themselves, are very good at putting themselves forward as the experts. Um, whereas in Australia, you know, it's really sort of we do definitely have this tall poppy, um, you know, syndrome where if you put yourself forward and stand above everyone else, you know, you must be, you know, full of yourself or, you know, we just, we sort of um, downplay all our, you know, um, our um, ourselves. And so that's what I learned from America is putting yourself in from FinCon in particular, um, that you can relate and connect with a lot more people if you put yourself forward um, and, and share, you know, be authentic. Yeah, it's a, an interesting juxtaposition there between, with Australians, we love to cheer for the underdog, but then uh, there's always a tipping point when we start tearing down the tall poppy. Um so it's, it's a really interesting dynamic there. And, and I would certainly advocate for being yourself in all things, um, but I, I probably wouldn't start lobbying for money wrappers at this stage. I'm not sure if that's going to take <laughs> off. It was, it was so fun. I can tell you it was so fun. It was the most fun I've had at a conference. But, yeah, uh, everyone's got their own style, I suppose. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, okay, very good. How, how do advisors 
Well, what do advisors do well, do you think, Adele, when it comes to marketing their business? What are they good at in Australia? Yeah, so in Australia, they're really good at that um, word of mouth marketing and getting your you know, clients to, you know, refer. Uh, and some of the advisors I see are, are, are great at joint ventures. So joint ventures are where you have a relationship with a, an accountant and you're basically borrowing or a mortgage broker, you're basically borrowing the trust that they build up with the clients. And so uh, sometimes it can take a little while for that to, you know, to work. Um, but when you do get it to work, you know, that's something I've seen advisors do quite well. Um, so the other thing I just wanted to touch on, if I could go off script a little bit of that, all right, sure. is why do we even do this marketing? Like Sue said, we've got, you know, more more clients than, you know, advisors now, less advisors really reading this supply and demand thing. Do we even need to do marketing if, if there's so many clients that want advice? And so there's two things that I think of um, why marketing is good. It's not just for attracting new clients. Um, it's for internal marketing for uh, you keeping in front of your current clients, um, particularly if you're only seeing them once a year and now you have to you know, tell them your fee 50,000 times throughout the year getting to sign you know, the fee, it's really important for you to be front of mind with them. And so, so many times I've had my clients come back to me and say, repeat a video that they've seen in my Facebook group or a live that I've done you know, your current clients are listening. And so I think we can't underestimate that it's for internal marketing for client retention is why I do it as well. Um, the second reason why I like marketing is um, the clients that get in front of me, I have a much easier um, sales conversation um, and more chance of them going ahead because they've listened to my podcast, they've seen me on a live, you know, and so I've been able to build up that trust with them. Often advisors will tell me they're getting lots of leads, but they're not going, you know, anywhere. And so, or, or not as many are going across as what they were coming clients as they'd like. And they tell me it's because they can't afford it, uh, which, you know, for a small percentage, that could be true. Um, but what I actually know is it's because you've just tried to get married on the first date. They've come from an accounting partner, they've sat in front of you, and you're like, okay, sign up to this thing. And they're like, whoa, I've just met you, and now you're wanting me to get married. Um, because they haven't seen you, they haven't been in your email, they haven't been in your Facebook group or podcast, they haven't seen you enough, that's it, 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 That's why often they're not going ahead. So you'll have a much higher chance of conversion um, if you do marketing well. You'll attract your, you know, more of your right type of clients and it's great for client retention as well. Um, that's why you know advisors should be spending some time you know, on marketing. Yeah. So does that scan with you as well? I mean, it's, it's right. Oh, it's absolutely. Marketing's I know. You can't church. see it. You can't see it on the podcast, but I'm nodding my head madly. Um, yeah, and, and I, I would sort of extend, if, if people have a fear around marketing, I'd extend the word to say it's about communications as well. It's, yes. it's, it's a great way to stay in touch with your clients, keep educating them, keep adding value to them in and around those times that you're actually meeting with them face-to-face. And, and I'd absolutely um, endorse that sense that you just said, Adele, around finding the right types of clients uh, because done well, your education pieces that you create for your clients can be repurposed for marketing um, uh, material to attract new clients. And because you are speaking to your defined client type, you are being heard by the right types of clients because you're talking their language, you're talking to their problems, and they're the people that, are, that, that you're attracting as opposed to casting this massively wide net and getting a whole bunch of kind of fish that you don't necessarily want. You're getting just the right types of clients that are perfect for the the, the type of proposition that you have. Yeah, it's. I guess it's a legacy view that you, you you cast this really wide net with, you know, people think that marketing is about ads on, on bus stops, but mm. it's not. It's about sort of, you know, tailored education pieces to current clients to really hone that that book that you have to make sure it's the, the right set of clients for you. 
Yeah, um, especially with the materials that we have got now because you don't all, all the, the um, avenues we've got because you don't have to put something on the back of buses. You you can be very, very tailored in your um, your digital presence and, and where you appear. Indeed. Yeah. What about websites? I've probably, Adele, I've probably looked at mm-hmm. a good 50% of the advice websites in Australia over the last five or six years um, that I've been a professional planner. I'm constantly, constantly dismayed. Sometimes they get it right, but do you think... The digital side is a real weak spot for advice? Yeah, I would say as a whole, the websites are pretty terrible. Um, Apart from the fact that they've got like really outdated photos and, you know, the fonts from the 90s, they're just, um, they're just, they haven't, what they don't do well, what they often do is just talk about the solution, Um, super, insurance, you know, but people don't want that. So what they want is, the outcome, what they give, what 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 you actually give them. So, as an example, with my clients, um, they might want freedom to start their own business, freedom to travel Australia. You know what they actually need to need. You know, I mean, maybe they want to work part time whilst their kids are little. What they actually need is, is a budget and cash flow. Do I say that on my website? Come and do budget and cash flow. No, I don't. I talk about their goals, their aspirations, their their fears, and so. Um, yeah, I'd say that's, you know, one of the things that um, I see advisors do really poorly if they do have a website is they, they just talk about what they do, their stuff. Um, and, yeah. you know, that, that's not what, what we want. The other thing I think um, I think about with the websites is why it's going to get more important is we're moving to this. Um, millennials um, are now seeking more advice. I think I read a statistic the other day. There's even more millennials than um, you know, people that are, yeah, boomers. And so, Millennials will Google you. They will stalk you. They will look at your website. And so it's going to become even more important for you to have, you know, a really good website. Uh, um, the other thing I'll say about some of the websites, there's a particular there's an advisor that I'm working with at the moment and I'm helping him, um, you know, one of the things that we're doing is, is helping him with his marketing. Um, one of the things that we did was installed Google Analytics on his website. So if you don't have Google Analytics on your website, I would encourage you to make sure you have it. You probably have it. You just haven't looked at it. Um, so what it what it does is it told me that people were coming to his website, but they were bouncing very quickly. So he had people coming, but they were bouncing. And so um, the reason was he had a really slow page load speed. And so we we um, you know we fixed his page load speed, made it quicker, particularly on mobile. Um, and he went from having hardly anyone booking appointments on his website to like fourteen people in two weeks. Uh, and so from one little tiny change, it took five minutes um, to change it on his website. So, mm. yeah, I, I think that the Google, um, installing Google Analytics is going to be really important to see where are people bouncing and if they're bouncing, why. Um, the other thing I see with websites that advisors are doing, they've just got book a call. Um, and so that's the only thing, book a call, which is okay. I think it's better than not having that. We want to make it easy. But some people aren't ready to take that. That's a very big first step. Um, and I see this as a mistake with lots of their marketing. Like they might be doing like, um, as an example, they might be doing, you know, webinars for accountants or um, you know, speaking events in, in, you know, in their local community. And all of their call to actions at the end is book a call, book a call. That is way too big a first step. The person like on the other end of that is thinking, oh, what's this person going to sell me? They're really nervous. Like um, they, they, it, it's too big a step. And so often with marketing, particularly on a website, yes, we want that. But we want some other call to action as well. So it could be, you know, a, a guide, a, a money masterclass, a, a, some sort of like um, thing that you're giving away uh, to, you know, get, you know, you capture their email address, you give them something of value, and then you can, you know, nurture them. 
until you build up that trust and and then you can ask for that um, next step that that you know book a call and so that's probably the other area that I'd say is um, advisors need to have you know other things on their websites not just book a call to, to help build up that trust right okay I guess sue the issue is that that this stuff isn't really a core capability for advisors um, you know you almost have this legacy view that promoting yourself or, or doing any kind of marketing is seen as a negative thing um, because they're devoting time and energy to something other than core advice. Is that is that something that you need to sort of overcome when you're helping businesses in this area? Um, personally, no. And I think probably because by the time people reach out to us, they've already embraced this concept that they're running a business and they want to run their business well. But, but yes, more broadly, when I'm meeting advisors at conferences and at speaking engagements and so forth, um, it, it's probably less a sense of, I shouldn't have to do this. It's a negative. It's more of I'm just overwhelmed. There's so much to to being a great advisor that how am I supposed to know these things about Google Analytics and and so forth. So I think more and more advisors are recognising that um, that, you know, identify the need. Do we need to work on this? Yes. Do I need to be the expert in Google Analytics and websites and, and content marketing? No, because I'm the expert in advice, but I know that there are great people out there that I can engage to help me do that. Um, I think we've, we've certainly seen a shift um, away from... You know, people used to, to to lament the fact that many, many years ago, advisors wouldn't put their hand in their own pocket because they expect that fund managers and licensees and, and everybody else would pay for things for them and they should just be given it. Um, and I think that's such a long time ago now. Thankfully, that legacy is behind us. Um, most advisors, certainly those that we come across, you know, they're still in this business for a purpose. They love what they do. They know they can't just do it by being a good advisor. There does require and focus on, on how to do it well and how to run a business around them. And that doesn't mean that they have to do it all themselves. They can they can reach out to great people. As they build, you know, you need to have a fair amount of scale before you're going to employ somebody that is specifically yes. working on marketing, an expert specialist. But there are outsourced people that you can access, um, you know, businesses that, that can do it for you. Indeed. That's a really good segue, actually, um, to my next question. Adele, you've, you've done a lot yourself and, and without going into uh, details which might be a bit improper here. You're a bit younger and a bit more gregarious, I would say, than the average uh, advisor, I, I think. Um, so perhaps it's easier for you to get out there. But for most, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I get the impression that self-promotion doesn't exactly come easily. Um, is this where advisors should consider hiring professionals, the consultants that Sue was just alluding to there, and, and maybe investing money on advertising? Yeah, so much to unpack with that. So firstly, I have got, oh, you're younger, you're female, it's easier for you. Um, I would like to call um, BS on that because that's just a story that someone's told themselves so that they don't have to do it and so they don't have to, you know, step out of their comfort zone and do something that, you know, is, uh, you know, might make them feel a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, so, and also because your clients don't, you know, advisors don't want, not every client wants to see me. They don't like my style. Um, and so they actually want your style. And so if you're not gregarious, if you're, if that, if that's not your personality, you will attract more clients that are, you know, more, um, like you. And so I think that, um, the thing that will happen though, is when you first start to do this, uh, you will suck at it. Um, and you have to embrace not being great at something for the first time. 
And like, you know, it's like when my um, you know, daughter was learning to walk. She fell down a whole heap. Does that mean she doesn't stop? Does she just sits and never walks? Uh, no. She keeps picks herself up and keeps going. I look back to the first stuff that I did years ago, the videos, they were terrible. Uh, and so, you know, my first lives were terrible, but I just did it. I kept doing it. And so I'm really after, you know, progress, not perfection with it. And so, and when I first started, I definitely bootstrapped it and did lots of stuff myself. But now I've got to the stage where I'm doing the um, the content. I've got the strategy and the content, and that takes me around, you know, one or two hours a week uh, to do, around an hour a week, and then somebody else actually executes it and does makes it pretty and, and schedules it. And so I, now I think I've got a fairly good balance. Um, and most advisors are really, you know, good at marketing. So for me, it's not marketing. It's just it's education, it's service, you know, it's actually what they should be spending their time on, front stage. They are much better served being front stage than knee-deep in an SOA or doing admin stuff. This is where they actually shine. And when they start doing it, I've asked some advisors that I'm helping at the moment, oh, Facebook Lives are so scary. You know, is it? Because you talk to clients all day. It's the same thing. So um, it's it, once they start doing it, they're like, oh, this is actually really easy. Um, it's just that starting that can be the challenge um the other thing i'll say is if you are going to outsource it to somebody else to help you with this be super careful uh, i've seen lots of advisors you know get burnt when you're going into that whether you're working with any sort of expert whether it's a lawyer um you know, a marketing person whoever you need to know enough to know what questions to ask to know if they're doing a good job and if you don't you can burn a whole heap of money and so I had, um, so if you are going to work with someone, get really clear about what your expectations are, about what you expect and when. So I had an advisor that um, told me they spent $36,000 um, with a uh, lead generation place that helped them with SEO. Um, now, he didn't really understand what SEO even was or what it meant. Um, and after 12 months, he got absolutely no leads. And so when I spoke to him, I said, oh, do you mean you just had no one? Like I thought he might have a sales problem. Um, like maybe he's getting the leads and he's just not, you know, converting them. No, he got no leads. And so um, because he didn't know enough to know what to ask, um, he just thought that, that, that they told him it takes years to build up, um, you know, SEO. And so you need to educate yourself enough to know what question. And this is not the first standalone one. If this was a standalone one, I'd say, well, this is a rarity. It's not. There's many like that have spent thousands and got no results. So first of all, you need to educate yourself enough to know what to ask. Um, and you need to go into these relationships with a very clear expectations about what your expectations are and what you expect when um, for the return on investment. Because marketing, for me, is just a return on investment. If I'm putting time and effort into this, what's my return going to be? And once you figure out what the return's going to be, it's you know it's it's actually worth doing. Um, but you just have to make sure you're not um, you know getting led astray. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't really thought about that, but there's a few businesses that would be taken for a ride, I guess. And, and it kind of raises the questions about whether PR companies for advice firms are worth it because many I know get to a certain you know, point of expansion where they say, okay, we need to pay a retainer for a PR company. So is that a question that you get a lot about, you know, advice firms coming and saying, okay, is it time for me to get some public relations mob to help me with, with expansion? Uh, no, not a lot, uh, I must admit. Because, And I think the reason for that is... Um, because a lot of the work that we do 
We come from the overall business strategy perspective. So we're helping firms get really clear on what they're trying to build as a business in the first place. Um, What kind of size are they wanting? What kind of clients are they wanting? What is their proposition and how do they articulate it? Uh, And so then often there are other alternatives to achieving that uplifting growth than going to a PR yep. um, consultant. And, and look, I think there's, I think it's the language around the type of people that can use too, right? So a PR consultant typically is assumed to be someone that deals with media and, and your public presence in that way. Um, you're going to have digital marketing experts that will look at your SEO and um, will create a, a lead funnel or an evergreen funnel for you. Uh, and then you've got your social media um, management companies as well who will create that presence. And I think it really, it, it all boils down to understanding what you're trying to achieve in the first place. Um, because if you're, if you have an offering that, um, you know, like if we look at Adele, your uh, My Money um, program is fantastic and that's built for scale. So yeah. you can be serving a huge number of people um, because you've built it, you've built it once and you have this fantastic way of ongoing communication with them. They feel really special and unique, but you're doing it to many, many people. Um, that proposition is really different to uh, a one-on-one single comprehensive, sorry, single advice relationship per person where it's really comprehensive advice that's very specialised and, and, and very customised to that individual. I would also argue, though, that where you do have that proposition where it's, it's I guess, traditional financial planning with one-on-one relationships, there inevitably will also be um, a, an opportunity to create some scale, create your communications and your content marketing because that enables you, as I said earlier, to continue that relationship when it's not you personally having a phone conversation or a meeting with them. You can continue to enhance the value of that. So I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve in your business in the first place. Um, in some cases, it's also, you know, some firms are only wanting 12 clients for the year. So how do you go about finding those 12 new clients? You probably don't need to spend 35 grand. Well, you don't need to spend 35 grand on the marketing company, even if you do, you need 100 grand. But, um, you know, it, it's it's fit for purpose. Um, so, yeah. Well, I've got you, Sue. That's a long way of answering your question. Well, that's okay. While you're on, on, on a roll there, mate, um, I just want to touch on the value of advice. And, and a lot of industry talk focuses on explaining that value should advisors yeah. be be focusing on this? I mean, educating their clients on what what advice looks like and how it can help, or should they absolutely? Or th- should they laser in on what they do well, their specific sort of niche areas of expertise? Um, I think to some degree that's one and the same. So so articulating the value that they're providing, and and, and this is you asked me earlier how they compete or how they fare against say mortgage brokers. Um, it's it's actually much more difficult as an advisor because the proposition for a mortgage broker is I'm going to help you get the best loan and we're going to get the best interest rate and the best. But like that's pretty specific to the product. People are getting a loan in the best way possible. Financial advice is much more personal and the value of that is different in the eyes of different people. Adele nailed it when she said, you know, people aren't coming to you wanting to buy superannuation. They're coming to you because they want to live a better life. They want to achieve more in their life than they're achieving now. You know, there's a whole range of different things that are different to different people. And so that ability to articulate your value feels more difficult when it sounds different to each individual person that's coming to buy your services. But there are ways to do it incredibly well. Thankfully, 
Um, I'm seeing now more advisors understanding this better. So quite often we'll do workshops where um, often it, it is tied up with their pricing model um, because in a lot of cases they're not charging what they need to be charging nowadays to, to build a profitable business and a lot of that comes from their confidence to be able to pitch it. So a lot of that time is spent in not only creating the right model for the business but then how are you going to articulate this to clients? Mm. Um, and so that we, we do lots of, of sessions where we say, okay, well, what is it that is your value? You know, people talk about this value proposition. Well, what are clients value from what you do? Probably five years ago, people would often go, oh, well, they value getting the best insurance policy and they value getting super. We, we would have to work really hard to help them push beyond that and really identify what people are valuing. Now, um, in fact, I did this just last Monday with a, a client um, and we ended up with, I think it was eight flip chart pages with with writing of the different things that clients are coming to this firm for and the different things that they value about uh, their, their financial advice relationship. And so it is more important to be able to articulate that, particularly as clients have to sign a renewal form every year. They're, they're continually making that buying decision to stay with you. So, again, this, this comes through in the you, you might be doing this to win new clients, but it's also really important to do it to secure and, and maximise those ongoing relationships. So, you know, that's everything from helping people understand the process that you might take them through and why do you need to be doing all these different steps and these paperwork and so forth yes. um, and, and ensuring that in your, um, in your flow of talking with them, you're actually helping your individual client that's in front of you to understand why they are seeking advice and, and to help them articulate in their own words what is it that they I value from engaging you. If I'm going to pay this, you know, fee in the thousands now, what? Why am I doing that? And what's the outcome I'm going to get from it? Yeah. Just quickly, so Adele mentioned before referrals. Do you think that advisors should be actively asking their clients to to promote them and to refer them to their friends? Um, yes, but I would say it in the way of helping them to do it as opposed to feeling really clunky and, and you know, a lot of people feel really awkward about saying, hey, can you send me some more clients? Yes. Um, I'm seeing great success where it's it's slightly, um, it's worded slightly differently around we are growing our firm, we have the capacity to bring on X number of new clients per year. Um Right now, there's a lot of people out there seeking advice and we're being very careful about the clients that we bring on board. So we are more than happy to take referrals from our clients for the people that they know in their life that also require advice. But this is the type of people that we work best with. And so it's actually a way to articulate exactly the type of client that they're looking for. And then that puts it in people's minds around, oh, okay, well, I'm not just going to send you someone that's looking for a home loan. Um, I, I see that your time is really valuable and it's finite. And I'd, I'd love to help you grow your firm with the right types of clients. Right. Does that scan with you, Adele? Yeah, so I have a slightly different take on it. So in my client review meetings, um, one of the things that I ask them is, what are some wins that you've had? Um, and then they share their win. And then I also recap on all their old wins that they've had as well. So we start the meeting on this really high. When I get an amazing win, that's when I, um, you know, celebrate, get so excited. Um, and I ask if they would mind sharing it. And so I've had clients come on my podcast and share their stories. I've had clients come in my Facebook group and share their stories. And I've got a, a process that I go through, um, a series of questions that I ask. It's not just, hey, give me a testimonial. Um, I've got a series of questions that I ask. So it feels like they're sharing their story. Like, 
I love it when clients have their wins. You know, it honestly feels like I've won as well. Um, and, you know, if we can help them, you know, share their wins and successes, you know, it might encourage another client who's, you know, sitting there to, to take action as well. And so I sort of position it like that, but only when they have a super good uh, win. Um, another advisor that I'm working with has done really well with um, sort of the same process, but he does it with Google reviews. Uh, and so he's been able to get up very high in his rankings on Google. Like if someone searches for him in his area, he ranks highly because of the Google reviews. And so same sort of thing when they're having this win, this amazing um, experience, um, would you mind sharing your story? And so we've got a little um, brief like, email that we sent, ask them in the meeting, then we send them the email with a link to the Google review. And that's worked really well as well. Mm. So I think when it comes from that really natural place, um, you know, for me, it's when they've had a really great success and shared a win. Um, I don't ask every single client, it's not this scripted, you know, every person gets asked thing. Uh, you know, it's really personal. So yeah, I've had really good successes with sharing it in my Facebook group um, and also on the podcast. And clients love it. They love being that one that is that success story. Like they actually, like you'll have a couple of clients that um, you know, are more private, like some teacher clients, they're often more private. Um, but most of them are like so excited to be the one to share their story. They're stoked. I mean, yeah. they can't wait to be featured so on the podcast. Positive yeah. affirmation thing as well. And most people, if yeah. they're really happy with the service and happy with the relationship, they're, they're excited to get out there and advocate for you, I think. And, uh, you know, as to what you were saying before about the gentleman who had uh, his clients go onto Google and, and he was a little bit more systematic with it, I think. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that's, a, that's really a bad thing. It's incredibly powerful. No, Google, I think Google, this is where we're now focusing um, our next lot of marketing efforts is definitely on um, Google, so particularly YouTube. So the stuff that I'm doing on Facebook, um, I am now... It's, I want something that's a bit more evergreen and YouTube is going to give me that more evergreen content So because people search for stuff. So um, that's my next big social, um, uh, my next big marketing tip for anyone else listening is um, we are definitely going more into that, um, you know, yes, we're still using Facebook, um, but we are now using YouTube because it's a different, it's more evergreen content. People search for it all the time. You'll get people two years time, whereas Facebook, once you've done it, sort of drops down the news feed and it's gone again. I see. And so um, we're moving more towards Google. Google reviews will be part of that and, and YouTube will be, uh, you know, YouTube channel will be part of that. So, okay. um, yeah, lots happening in this space. Very good. That's that's Adele's tip for the future. Uh, we'll probably wrap it up, Sue, unless you've got one more tip for advisors who are looking at sort of um, polishing up their marketing. Um, I would say don't be frightened to do it. Uh, it, it's not something that uh, is a has to be a foreign language. Um, as soon as you start um, deciding or thinking that you want to be doing this, and it may not be the advisor in the firm, you may have someone in your back office team that loves this kind of stuff and they can get their get their hands on it. Um, just start reading out, start listening to podcasts, start getting your ideas about how to do this. If it's really foreign to you, don't be fearful of it. Find someone that you can trust that has experience in working with financial advisors to help them build out that, that profile. Brilliant. Yeah, and that they're most welcome to um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I've got a how-to guide I'm happy to share with them that will help them get started in, you know, less than 30 days on social media. Um, if they're wanting to get started, yeah, just reach out to me. I've got lots of free resources um, in this space. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. It's been a really interesting chat. And I think one that, um, you know, this is obviously uh, probably not the strongest area of advisors game collectively. So it's uh, it's really interesting to at least talk about this and maybe get some ideas out there. And uh, thank you both Adele and Sue for joining us today. Thank Pleasure. you.